Welcome, I'm Momoko, and this is Roots to Fruit. I have a fundamental belief that in order to bear our richest, juiciest fruit, we are best served to nurture our roots. Roots to Fruit is a series of conversations with my friends near and far to explore whether this is a shared belief. Today in Tokyo, it is 2021, August 17th at 2.12 p.m. in the afternoon. It is um, unseasonably cool at 25 degrees Celsius, I think. Um, a blanket of clouds with a, just a little bit of rain. It's been raining for the past seven days in Tokyo and the countryside is totally flooded, but um, I think we're just at the tail end of that and um, sun will finally come tomorrow. Uh, today I have the great privilege of speaking with Lindsay. Hello, Lindsay. Hi, Molly. Tell us where you're, where you are. I am also in Tokyo where it has been raining for what seems like forever. And yeah, it's very strangely cool at this time of year. I like, I think the Fahrenheit degrees is maybe around like 75 and it's been like 95, like the other weeks of summer. So it's, it's a weird week, but it's a weird week. And also yeah. we're both wearing long sleeves, which is yes. so unusual. Yes, I was like, I can wear a long sleeve today. It's cold, but yeah, it's it's been strangely cool. So let's dive into your roots and fruit. Um, maybe start with your roots first. Yeah. So my roots, my uh, <laughs> um. So I was born and raised in Hawaii. Um, I'm a fifth generation on one side of my family, but fourth generation on the other side of my family, Japanese American. Um, and so I'm a very Americanized Japanese person. My great grandparents, I think, um, were the ones to move over from, I think, around Hiroshima area um, to Hawaii. And yeah, I grew up there when I was 18. I was like, I need to get off this rock. Um, I moved to the mainland where I went to school in San Francisco. I was in the Bay Area for maybe seven and a half years where I worked in advertising after I graduated. And then from there, I moved to New York for a job um, where I worked in online media for Refinery29. And then now I'm here in Tokyo. I moved here in 2019, end of 2019. So really so, right before COVID. You know what? That's a lie. 2018. Okay. <laughs> so you, had it, you had it one year of like amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun. Yeah. I had like one year of like this is fun but also very stressful but very fun um but yeah I had a one one year of no COVID before yeah moving here yeah and um and then what's your fruit like what's like keeping you motivated and passionate these days um at the moment my current baby fruit is my puppy we just got a black Labrador puppy named Kombu and it has just been an interesting journey to be a mom, a mom, a dog mom. I was gonna say mom dog. I'm not a mom dog, <laughs> but to be a dog mom, it, I now wake up at six thirty in the morning, which has been an adjustment. Um, but we really love him a lot. I want to see him do really well, and so he's like a tiny fruit that we are trying to raise into a good son. Um, but then other fruits that I have is just like being here in Japan 
coming back to, you know, the country that my family is from and trying to just get a deeper understanding for a lot of like the cultural things that I've grown up with. Um, and also just, you know, like the creative stuff that I do on the side. I, for those who don't know, I just take film photography in my free time and then I'll illustrate over it, whether it's in, with Posca pens or on my iPad. Um, but yeah, that's like a little creative endeavor that I'm fruiting as well. <laughs> You're totally fruiting it. And I'm not sure I would call it a small endeavor. I mean, it is like major and the work that you do is so interesting and I'm like so attracted to it. And oh, thank you. I don't even know why I'm like so drawn to it, but there's something that is like so heartful, but playful. Aww at the same time and like I really love that like you're capturing Tokyo in a way that's not like in your face but much mm. more like almost like um blogging or vlogging kind uh -huh, of uh -huh. you know what I mean and then it's kind of like <laughs> through the lens of Lindsay and then but we because I love like I guess like it's not just any illustration but it's like typography mm, true yeah yeah, no, that's really nice for you to say because like sometimes I get I'm sure like a lot of it happens to a lot of creative people, but you just get so in your head with like the thing that you do, you know, for to express yourself creatively and you're like, does this even matter? Does anybody even care? Do I care? You know, and so it is really nice to kind of hear how it not impacts, you know, or like how other people kind of like perceive what I put out. It's nice when it's positive. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And also you have like a not so secret separate Instagram account where you like take <laughs> all of all of your um mochi and <laughs> photos. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how that started really, but um whenever because before COVID um, my partner and I would just travel to like all these different cities um throughout Japan and I just like gravitate towards mochi because I think it's like really cute and delicious um and growing up in Hawaii my dad as like a special dessert or treat he would always like you know the like microwave blocks of like white mochi I don't even really know what it's called but he would microwave that and then mix it with kinako and sugar and that was always like my favorite favorite thing to eat and so like kind of moving here I was like I just gotta eat it all <laughs> and so I also didn't realize that there was so much diversity in the different types of mochi until I started that Instagram account um so yeah that's been kind of a fun journey and also like I love getting my nails done so it kind of is a way to show that off as well <laughs> <laughs> that's the real reason yeah, that's the real reason. Yeah, but yeah, um, wait, but in but in um Hawaii, like I feel like because there's such a strong um Japanese American influence in that mm. culture, like also what is it like butter mochi or something? I forget what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's kind of been so weird because a lot of the things that I thought were Japanese, like growing up in Hawaii, just like a, I'll say it here, and everybody's like, what? like what is that so butter mochi yeah is one but it's basically like a really dense cake you know and it's but it's so good and so I was like where's the butter mochi in Japan but everybody's like that's not a thing here really um 
but I did find something similar. Uh, I could, yeah, I could like look it up later. I can't remember what the name of it was, but it's like, there's also Chichidango. Do you know what Chichidango is? No. Oh, I thought you were like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm like, tell me about it. <laughs> um, I, so I thought that that was, that was like for sure going to be like a Japanese snack, but it's basically just like, I don't know, like small, like rectangles of mochi like this. And they're just like pink or green or white. And there's this one shop on Oahu where I'm from, where we would always get it as like a special occasion. And it's just like, it's just plain mochi soft in potato starch and it's like sweet. Um, but yeah, chichidango, there's also taro mochi, which isn't, I mean, that's just like a flavor, but yeah, it's, I guess it's like a whole nother world of mochi in Hawaii. Yeah, totally. I mean, actually like through all of the field work and other things that I do, people ask yeah. me about further exploring the Japanese culinary diaspora, like mm. all across the world. Yeah. And like Hawaii is like major part of that. Also yeah. places like Peru or Brazil as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, I really want to go to Brazil because like just through the internet, I've met you know, like a lot of creative people who are Japanese, but they grew up in Brazil and it would be so interesting to kind of go there and see how food has been sort of like adapted to the local scene and cuisine in the same way that it has in Hawaii. Um, because like my partner is also Japanese American. And so when we went back to Hawaii for the first time, I was like, yeah, like everybody's like, I grew up in a situation where even though it was America, like everybody was basically Asian, you know, all my friends, like my name's Lindsay Arakawa. And so everybody, all of my friends have like a, this isn't going to be correct, but like a white first name. And then like a Japanese last name, like it's clearly not like a, a Japanese, Japanese name. But I was like, yeah, you're gonna love it. The food's great. It's very Japanese. And then he like he got there and he's like, this isn't Japanese food. And I was like, hmm, <laughs> maybe it's like a Hawaii take on Japanese, but I love it. I don't know. Hawaii food is like just a lot more flavorful and intense and sweet, but that's kind of what I grew up with. So, <laughs> so you said you just mentioned that your you, one part of your one side of your family might be from um uh, Hiroshima is mm. about the other side of your family so I th I think I don't know where they're from from but I know that I have some relatives who actually live in like the Tokyo area ish but they're very kind of like distant relatives but a few years ago before I actually moved to Japan um, I was like really just interested in like reconnecting with my family here um, so I asked my grandpa, who's now like 96, pretty old guy, um, but I was like, do we have any family like left in Japan? And he's like, oh yeah, my cousin is in Hiroshima and he lives there with his wife. Um, he's like, I have this address from a while ago. You should try and write to him and see like if he still lives there. And I was like, okay, let me try. And then, um, so I like wrote together a letter and like really bad Japanese sent it. And then I remember on my birthday, when I still lived in New York, I got a letter in the mail back from his wife saying like, oh my God, like that was so great to hear from you. It's like all in Japanese. And I was just like crying because I think I came home like a little bit tipsy from my birthday drinks. And I was like, this is the best birthday present ever. Um, and then, so I think later that year, I had arranged to go to Hiroshima to meet them. And then we met up for dinner and then they took us, me and my friend around the city to like botanical gardens. Um, and it was great, <laughs> but yeah, so I, yeah, I have 
some family that I kind of speak with in Hiroshima, but mm. yeah, that was a really fun experience. Yeah. And, um, and then, and then do you know what your fam, how your family got to Hawaii and what they did there initially? I think initially they were plantation workers. Um, my family has been really bad about kind of just like knowing where they came from and when they came from Japan. But I have this one piece of paper from my dad's side of my family that kind of lists where his dad and all of his dad's siblings were born. Um, and so I think that my great grandparents came over with some of his siblings and then my grandfather was born on Maui, but they did come over to work on the plantation. Mm, like pineapple? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe pineapple, sugarcane. I'm not sure. Yeah. And um, and like what what prompted you to move to Tokyo? Um, kind of going back to like what we were talking about earlier. Like my like growing up in Hawaii, I'm just like surrounded by these like Japanese or like Hawaii Japanese practices and ideals and you know it just it felt like I was very Japanese growing up just because of like my cultural practices that my parents raised me on um and but I always felt like there was some sort of disconnect because like my parents can't speak any Japanese my grandparents don't even really speak Japanese but they're so proud about of being Japanese you know in a way where I'm just like oh like something like maybe we need to connect the dots a little bit um, and I have like taken Japanese language school from like a very young age, even though my Japanese is still really poor and terrible. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess I always just felt like I wanted, I wanted to come and try and live here just to see how I felt about it and like what it meant for me and my identity and like I don't know because it's 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 a weird experience. I'm sure you've kind of went through the same thing, like being born in America and going back and forth. But it's just like especially after moving to the mainland, it made me kind of question a lot about my identity in a way that I didn't have to think about growing up in Hawaii um, in a good way, you know? And so, but after like spending, I don't know, 10 plus years on the mainland, I was like, okay, I need to figure out who I am for myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In, in Hawaii, how rare or common is it to be like 100% Japanese by just DNA it's 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 interesting because like something that I'll sorry for the train but like something that I'll kind of when I want to explain my experience about like being on the mainland and how kind of like how much of a culture shock it was for me like I wasn't called or labeled Asian you know because until I moved to San Francisco, because literally like all of my friends, I thought they were just like all Japanese. If, and if not Japanese, you know, they were Chinese or Korean or, you know, like everybody around me just kind of like look like me. Um, my mom's like friends and my dad's friends, you know, just like everybody was Japanese like around me or Japanese American. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, Hawaii is like a very special little bubble. Like, you know, anybody knew how to spell Arakawa, you know, growing up in Hawaii, but then it was like the moment I moved to the mainland and had to call, you know, like about a credit card or something. And this person was in Texas and they're like, what, how do you spell that? And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is so nice when somebody kind of is just like, ah, oh, yes. Okay. I know. Yeah. Here, you know, like, I do think it is a privilege in Japan for me to have, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, but 
in the sense that like blessing that people know my last name I have kanji and it was so easy to find a honko for it but then uh, you know like my first name or sorry the curse of that is that everybody expects me to be a Japanese person because I have a Japanese last name but I'm clearly not <laughs> you know I was wondering like how your how your exploration of your roots just by being here mm -hmm. and like you know and I'm sure it's not like an um like a conscious or like an aggressive dive into your roots but even just like simply being here I think there's an amount that you absorb mm. just by traveling through Japan you know there's stuff that makes you I don't know think or connect the dots like you say like yeah. how has that how has that affected your kind of mind body and spirit or the way that you think about your artistic ex um, expression that's a really good question and I don't think I've like really kind of like talked about this out loud like publicly or at length but I mean I've kind of like expressed my frustration with kind of moving here but for me I it's been a bit of like a struggle I guess like I think it's like I came here with this expectation of being like yes I'm finally in Japan I'm with people who like generally look like me you know like it's gonna feel great you know and then but because of that I came with such high hopes of how easily I thought I was going to integrate but it actually just was the complete opposite I think you know like not only is it like a language barrier for me like I it's I mean actually that's like the biggest thing because like I am a very sociable like outgoing type a type of person and so i love like networking meeting new people having conversations with strangers and it's like that's just not like not being able to speak japanese that has been like a huge kind of like hurdle for me and so i kind of feel like i'm like this and i keep like running into a wall with a lot of situations here um and so that's been like pretty frustrating and it's like before moving here like when I was in New York knew I was gonna come like I was like studying Japanese every day I was watching you know Terrace House um I was just you know I was just like super about the culture because I it was something that and something that I still do generally like really really love um and will always love because it's who I am but it's like I was kind of slapped in the face with reality of like how not Japanese I am um, and so now I'm just like, I'm American, but it's like, you know, it, it, it feels a little shitty because I, I don't think that I'll ever, and it's like a conversation that I think like a lot of foreigners will have online where it's like, they'll feel like they'll never be fully accepted. And I don't know what the reason is. And I, but I kind of like relate, you know, where like, no matter how hard I try, because like, I'm so culturally different. Um, and that's, and that's not to say that I won't you know, try my best to understand, you know, and like learn the language. Um, but it, it just kind of feels like it's something that I'm, I'm never going to feel, you know, like, oh, yes, I'm home. You know what I mean? Uh, but now I think we're finally mm. in this new era where yeah. we can celebrate our differences and the micro yeah. communities that exist in Japan. So I'm hoping that, you know, kind of post-COVID or after-COVID kind of world that we recreate can be a more colorful yeah yeah that that that's so true like even though I've only been here for like a almost like a few years 
it went by so fast um but it does seem like things at least amongst like the younger generation it seems like they're a lot more open-minded about differences um like I do think that because of like the internet and like access to TikTok, you know, they can see what all people are doing like around the world, you know, who are the same age as them. And I think that that's a really good exposure, you know, for the younger generation because, you know, they can just see that, oh, it's not, it doesn't need to be this one type of way, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, like we went to a Black Lives Matter a peaceful protest um the other year and that was like really cool to participate in in Tokyo even though like we had a designated route and the police were like walking alongside us it felt very different but it was it was it was cool you know that something like that even happened in a, such a conservative country like I think something what before COVID too like I know that like when Japanese people greet each other they don't really like touch or get like you know like shake shake hands too much but I'm like such a hugger and so anytime I like met up with a Japanese friend I was like we're gonna hug because I haven't seen you in a long time you know I'm like they're just so uncomfortable but I'm like you're fine it's like two seconds (laughs) yeah 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 I'm just trying to you know be like let's you know let's just like love each other it's fine (laughs) to express (laughs) But I feel like your I feel like the um, artwork that you share, like your photography and your mm. um, illustration, like really showcase that sense of like love. Mm. You know what I mean? And um, and like I was saying, like we're able to kind of experience Japan through your lens. Yeah, that's so nice. The way that you've kind of phrased that, I really appreciate. No, but I think that a lot of people must feel that way. Um, I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one, and. So I was just wondering if there are like themes or like how you decide to um, Mm -hmm. create or post the things that you do. Yeah, I think like currently in this moment, the things that I'm creating are a little bit, it's shifted a little bit. I think, you know, I kind of get fed up with myself when I feel like there's a lot of redundancy in my creative work. And that's not like a bad thing, but for me, I just felt like I needed to kind of challenge myself a little bit. And so right now I'm kind of like revisiting some of the things that I've written or said in the past that I still relate with, um, but approaching it just from like a pure kind of like creative perspective where I just wanna see how it's my style or like my approach has kind of changed um, since I like created the original art. So it's like a lot of the, before that it was more just like, I'm sad. So I'm going to like write something sad, you know, or like I need to love my body more. So I'm going to write something about that. And so it's just kind of like a reflection of how I'm feeling, even though like I write it, I also don't take my own advice. Cause after I'll write it and post, it, I'll be like, well, I hate myself, you know? So it's, it's just kind of like a, at the moment I need to just let it out. And it's very therapeutic for me to kind of like draw on my iPad as well. So it's like a nice break mm-hmm. from day-to-day mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And I also really like, I'm totally raising my hand for the next batch of okay Dis um, tote bags. Yeah, I'll give you one. I actually just ordered um, a, a whole bunch. Um, but yeah, I'll give you one when I see you. I am um, totally loving those. And then 
Thank do, you. Do you feel do you feel like you want to try doing a more like illustrative like font work in Japanese or like do you feel like your best form of expression is in English? You know, I tried doing like an English version and a Japanese version, but because expressing myself in Japanese in my own words is something that I'm not very comfortable with yet. Like it may, eventually I would love to over time. Um, but like in the past, before I moved here, like I would, I was really into like these um, kind of like Jap super Japanese phrases, like wabi-sabi, you know, like just things like that. So like, I'll sometimes write things like that where it's just the phrase in Japanese and then put the translation in English underneath. Um, so that's like something that I kind of want to revisit too, um, just because I think that those Japanese sayings are really beautiful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think something else that is kind of difficult about like learning Japanese and learning a new language in general is that like, excuse me, I thought that it would just be like, oh, I'm going to just switch from English to Japanese. But, and so like just my words will change or like my intonation will change, but it's like, I can't express myself culturally in the same way um, with Japanese because like culturally, like, I don't know, it's, it's a weird kind of like thing to think about an approach because, or for something for me to realize, because it's just like, oh, when I speak Japanese, I'm this way, you know, like I can't, like, because the language is so different. And even when I write business emails, sometimes it's like, like, like that's something that I would just never say in an English email. So it's like, I kind of have to like, just brain switch. And I'm just like, this doesn't feel like me right now. And so up until the point where I can find the right words and ways to express myself in Japanese, it's going to be like a bit of like a struggle. <laughs> and I think that that's, yeah, it's kind of what's stopping me from like studying again, but I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that. I, but I understand what you mean, because I feel like also there are words in Japanese that don't exist in English and words that exist in English that don't exist in Japanese. Yeah. And, and so sometimes like, even, you know, if, if I'm speaking Japanese, like I'm searching for a word, but then I realize that word only is in English, actually. <laughs> How am I going to say it in Japanese? And then the same thing happens when I'm speaking in English. Uh, I'm like, oh, there's this perfect word for it. And I'm like looking for it, looking for it. And then I realize it's in this other diction, the Japanese dictionary. <laughs> so, just, so like, I kind of understand what you mean in like this. Yeah. It's not actually the same brain at all. Yeah, it really isn't. And it's like, it's not like sometimes... Like we kind of joke amongst ourselves, me and my partner and like our friends, it's like when you speak English, it's just like this like low voice. But then when you speak Japanese, like for some reason you go up like an octave or something <laughs> and your voice just naturally gets higher. And we're just like, why is it like that? <laughs> but yeah, also kind of like to that point, like I know a lot of people who have dated like Japanese people or like Japanese people who have dated like foreigners and or like people who didn't speak Japanese. And a lot of the time they're like, oh, it's easier for me to express like my frustration or like things about my emotions in English versus like in Japanese. Cause sometimes they're just like, aren't the same words. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like, I can't relate, but like, that's pretty interesting to think about too. Mm. Like they're ha they have an easier time, like being expressive in, a, in English than they can in Japanese. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get that. And also, I find that to be the case for um, activism, mm -hmm. actually, 
um, and to be like vocal about um, a certain position politically or whatever. Like I think that there's a set of emotions and vocabulary that's available in English that's not necessarily as available in Japanese. That's mm-hmm. interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, I feel like it's just like anytime you need to be like angry about something, maybe it's kind of like difficult to do it in Japanese, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think about. Um, um, but yeah, it's it's been a roller coaster, but like a roller coaster like like this in like my experience of being here. And I'm sure it's interesting to hear that you've kind of like felt other here too, you know? Yeah. Um, but also for me, I think like I also felt other when I was in the US, for example. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was, um, well, I didn't think about this like consciously when I was younger, but certainly like when I started working, um, mm. I realized that I was like needed to um, stand on like a white man stage. Mm. Like the white men built the stage and in order yeah. in, like even when we're talking about gender equality in the US, like I think like there's a fundamental issue because we're trying to be equal on a stage that white men built. Yeah, for Whereas sure. Whereas really like equality is is where when everyone builds their own stages. Yeah. And and um, that's one thing that I have to say I appreciate about Japan is that while it is definitely like a male dominated society and there's like, you know, definitely a sense of women do this, men do this. Mm-hmm. I think that if you're thinking about it from a positive perspective, like <laughs> on our own strengths kind of, like for mm. example, like so long as men cannot also give birth, like, yeah. I, like just physically we are different and like yeah. we can't be the same in that way like we can be mm. we can be equal but not the same mm. sometimes in the U.S. I feel like the conversation about equality is try to try, try to try to be the same uh, yeah I see I see I see what you're saying mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah I think also kind of like mixing different things that we were talking about together uh, like to kind of go back to this point is that also like I because I can't speak Japanese it's so hard for me to kind of understand exactly like what is going on politically here you know and it's like obviously there are things that I experience that are like pretty upsetting like one time I was just sitting with my legs crossed in a store and an old oji san came up to me and like whacked my knee off my leg (laughs) but and it's just like so and then in that situation I just you know like needed to be chill about it but it's just like I like it's hard because it's like I want to like express myself I want to like read more about like the history and have a better understanding of like what's going on um but yeah it yeah that's something else too where I'm just like damn you know I know that things are shitty here but like it's not for me to say you know right now at least um yeah yeah. yeah. it's like thinking about a thinking of a comeback like five hours later (laughs) yeah but for me it's gonna be like five years later I'll be like oh okay now I'm ready to talk to that man (laughs) yeah for real though Uh, well so you were talking about you know your baby fruit like your new puppy and then all of like the fruit that is like still kind of like you know in the process of ripening like how would you want to see well outside of your puppy we know we want him to grow up to be healthy and happy but yeah. like in terms of your like for example your artistic expression like how how would you want to see that evolve 
Um, that's a good question. I haven't really, strangely, I don't think I've ever been asked that before, or maybe I have, I don't know. Um, but I think it's my artistic adventure or endeavor has been kind of interesting from the get-go because it was something that I just did randomly and I didn't really expect it to become anything honestly because I always had this kind of um, imposter syndrome where I was like I didn't go to art school you know like who am I to kind of like say that this is good or that you know like this is something that people should care about um, so but because I posted it on Instagram it like kind of just got a reaction from the people who like really enjoyed it and honestly I think I've only really continued because you know like of the support and motivation that I would get from like people's reaction and so I think it's become what it's become now because of like how well received it's been but then also I'm kind of learning simultaneously learning to love what I'm creating at the same time because I genuinely really like taking pictures and drawing and it's just something that I've always gravitated towards and so to for it to become something when I didn't expect anything to come of it has been kind of like a challenge for me um, if that makes sense um so I'm kind of like learning to love it as it's like already something you know and so in the future I would hope that it is become something that I'm just like this is mine this is what I do I'm owning it completely um and yeah just like trying to see what that looks like I think could be really cool because then maybe it'll end up being something completely different from what it is now yeah but similar yeah I don't know I think like it's such a good example of like um, uh, the positive kind of use or outcomes of social media. Mm. And like, it's so nice to see like you creating like physical products, like the tote bag and that sort yeah. of thing. You know, like <laughs> how online can be then like, you know, deferred offline and like created mm. in a different form. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you do like a book or, you know, yeah yeah. a gallery or something like that in the future yeah I mean I definitely want to be able to I mean maybe one of the fruits from my fruit tree is like I want to become more well acquainted with like the creative community you know here and be able to kind of like put my art out there in a way where people will be like oh that's that Japanese American girl she's really cool (laughs) like we should be friends but yeah no I definitely want you know to build more of like a physical presence with my art here um over time so that would be really cool to see I like I want to talk to you forever but we're like so over time oh no question yeah Um, like you know obviously there are obstacles in living here but there's Mm -hmm. no kind of fun and explore you know like ways in which you can explore yourself personally and then just you know enjoy Japan in general like do you do you see yourself here for the long run like how how are you experiencing Japan in terms of like your life stage I think I think I'm gonna be here for a very long time (laughs) um uh, 
it really depends on the year though because like when I first got here I was like I'm fucking leaving like I can't stand it here because it's even like stuff like paying my bills or like anytime I get a phone call like I'll throw my phone across the room because I don't want to like talk to anybody in Japanese so like when it comes to those moments I'm just like oh it would be so much easier if I could just do this in English um but overall I think like my well-being um and just like how I feel when I go outside, you know, like I have really bad anxiety. And so, but just like being here, living in Japan, like I just feel so safe in a way that I haven't felt since I lived in Hawaii. Um, and so that's been really nice for my brain. Um, and the food is really good. I can't stop eating the food here. Um, and I feel like there's just still so much of Japan that I want to still see. And I think that there's, I'm not gonna see it all in my lifetime, you know, but I wanna see as much as I can. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I really, really, despite, you know, like all the shitty things that I go through on a day-to-day -day basis, like it's been really great so far. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, like after COVID or whatever, you know, like when it's safe to kind of like travel again to different like prefectures, like I would love to go to like a rice field with you and just like harvest rice. Like that's all my bucket list. Like, you know, I want to just like get integrated in like the, like, I like to think that I love the Inaka and there are aspects of like the countryside that I do really love. Um, so yeah. <laughs> you're a city girl. Yeah, I'm a city girl. I'm just really bad with bugs. Like, Geji Geji, I had an experience last summer. I'm like, I'm never coming back, <laughs> but I just, I need to just like be not in like a bug house and then I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so but yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah I just need to be in a place where it's like the Japanese food is like impeccable and like Japan obviously does it the best and it's, be it's because like I grew up on it you know so it's like I can't stop eating it and I, I don't mind <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it brings me joy like I love the kombini I can never live without kombini ever again yeah then um yeah certainly like a sign that you're a city girl <laughs> Yeah, and the fact that I love loft, so I need to be in a city. <laughs> I think that there's so much of a global, like sh a shift happening globally right now where people are like moving back to where their great grandparents are from mm, or like, you know, yeah. exploring their kind of like mother tongue. Um, and when you're doing that, you expect or hope for you know, mm -hmm. like this really like significant experience to happen when in fact, like you're, you come across so many kind of obstacles <laughs> and you know, you feel like you're going to fit in, but then you're treated like other. I feel like that must happen everywhere. In yeah, the for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and many of us are like experiencing that because we're so free to travel because we're able to work remotely because, 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 mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, and so I think this conversation will be fascinating for, like, just I feel like so many people listening will be like, that's me, that's me. <laughs> but it was really nice to chat with you. And I'm, I, it, sound, it just feels like we have so much in common, you know, even though like our backgrounds are like kind of different, but same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you, Momo. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode. I would love any and all feedback as well as suggestions for future guests. Please email me anytime. My email address can be found on my website, momokonakamura.com.